Joan Breibart, Body Conversation, Episode 2, The Real Stuff. So, a crucial component of American exceptionalism is the belief that the United States has a divinely ordained mission to lead the rest of the world. President Ronald Reagan told audiences that there was some divine plan that had placed America here. President Reagan even quoted Pope Pius XII, who said, into the hands of America, God has placed the destinies of an afflicted mankind. In 2004, President Bush offered a similar view, saying, we have a calling from beyond the stars to stand for freedom. So now you see why uh, we always swear oaths to God, why we have God on the currency, why uh, we have uh, politicians finishing a speech always saying, God bless America. We have God in the Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, we're supposed to have a separation of church and state, but when you read what God has ordained for us, obviously we can't have that separation. Now, there is one part of this that I'm going to object to. I understand, I never knew this until recently, that monthly Congress has prayer breakfasts. Well, uh, you know, praying for things to get better is just not going to do it, in my opinion. I think we need more work and uh, commitment to change. So I think that's where this uh, God stuff needs to stop. But uh, we're obviously in God's hands. So what does that really mean? Uh, obviously, people who believe in religion have given up rational thinking, because uh, that's what you have to do. That's faith, right? So I come from an America, I was born in 1941, where uh, common sense was what guided us, because we didn't have the internet, we couldn't look up everything, right? So we had to have common sense. Of course, we had curiosity. I mean, we wanted to know things. Uh, we didn't dumb everything down. We had standards. So uh, we had common sense. We had context. Uh, we were no nonsense, right? So that all ended when the internet came in and we had 24-hour TV news and the, the media had to get rid of common sense because they needed to have what I call expertizing. They needed people to come on for free because they couldn't afford to pay real talent. And these people always had something to promote, right? Or they wanted to get elected again, or they had a book or whatever. So um, that's why Americans gave up common sense and started to believe that every little thing is open heart surgery and you can't know anything and you have to uh, delay, linger, and wait to make a decision because everything is so difficult. Now, of course, it's gotten so obvious that I think everybody is beginning to see it. Today, when uh, a journalist interviews somebody on TV and gives some big intro and they're 
biography and tells everything and then comes up with the question, the person, the interviewee doesn't answer the question. They stop everything and say, oh, thank you for inviting me on. And we have then this cozy little exchange about their website or their book or whatever. So it seems pretty obvious now what's happening. Um, but I guess we've drifted into it and accepted it. And uh, that's where we are. And that's why America is fat. Now, that seems like a big leap, but I'm sorry, that's the truth. Because if anybody had, um, in the past 20, 25 years, thought about changing their diet, you know, whenever they heard about a new one from the media, uh, and they were really thinking, they would have recognized that the body doesn't like this. The body wants consistency. They don't want to go from a diet where all you do is eat meat and never touch any fruit to a diet where you don't have any gluten. Some people didn't even know what gluten was, but anyway. Um, and so we know there are thousands of diets, even though there are three food groups. That's all, only three. So it's really creative that we come up with all these diets and people keep changing them. And, you know, every time they do it, it's another nail in their body coffin, another strike against their metabolism. But even worse than that is exercise. So I'm in the exercise business primarily. I'm the person who actually put Pilates out there in 1991 um, when I started the Institute for the Pilates Method. And uh, that name, Pilates, Pilates, no one could even pronounce it, it was a terrible name. Um, in by 2000 was a household name, right? So. I know these things can happen. I also know that the only reason that it succeeded was that there were a lot of celebrities doing Pilates because uh, Ron Fletcher had gone out to LA to Beverly Hills in 1970 and they all flocked to him. So it was the celebrities because now, of course, it's just obvious that nobody can write a story about any product or service or anything related to the body unless there's a celebrity in it, right? Because what we want to hear about is some uh, coked up, shopaholic, dimwit celebrity. That means it must be good, so let's do it. And uh, it's really annoying and it's stupid, but that's how people uh, buy things today. So exercise. Exercise took the easy way out. It started in uh, late 60s with running. All of a sudden people discovered running and then there were all these other things that came out. Obviously we had aerobic dancing and Jane Fonda and eventually that got to be two hour classes and exercise machines and everything you can imagine as you know from like until really 1991 when people were then after uh, 20 years of low fat, uh, which of course is now the opposite, but anyway, um, they were 20 pounds heavier and their joints were aching and they felt miserable and looked miserable. So they just sort of quit. They actually quit on dieting. Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig thought it would never come back. And uh, they walked away from beating up their body with um, exercise. 
And that's how I could introduce Pilates because it seemed to be, and of course was, superior for your joints and um, keeping your body in balance. But, uh, you know, once the, uh, uh, once the effects of it are uh, diminished because everything is oversold and nothing can live up to its promise. So although according to Joe, and it's true, he did say this, you know, after 30 sessions of a different body, but that was when he was talking about exercise virgins. I was one of them in the 60s. I had never exercised. And yes, I did have another body. But that's not people who've tried every single routine and gained and lost and whatever. So exercise has been totally, completely oversold. The real problem today is all of the exercise people, the trainers and yoga teachers and Pilates teachers and group exercise, these people are struggling because obviously COVID, um, but even more so because of the failure, right? I call this field now the nexus of neurosis. So consider the embarrassment of telling people that exercise would do everything for them. Most importantly was that it would torch those calories, right? And um, then seeing the failures. Now, um, People have to stop thinking of exercise in terms of torching calories because it doesn't. It's way more complicated than that. And I'm going to borrow a phrase from Bill Maher who says, I can't prove it, but I know it's true. So I can't really prove what I'm telling to you, and I'm not going to try. There are many, many studies now showing that exercise as a weight loss solution doesn't work. And there are also all the studies that show that it does. Remember, what is a study? It's something that a person who is trying to get an advanced degree, either as a dietitian or an exercise physiologist or a physical therapist, they had to do. And so since it's very expensive to do a study, you know, there are studies like my favorite one from Sweden where they had 12 women and I think half of them had extra calcium and the other half didn't. And the ones who had um, calcium <laughs> lost uh, 2% more weight. I mean, you know, they're ridiculous. But all of the editors in uh, wellness publications have these Google alerts and a study comes and they put it up and um, everybody just reads the headline and hopes there's you know, there's help on the way, it's a new world, uh, there's salvation and whatever. Exercise is very beneficial. But if you're obese, you have to immediately, immediately stop trying to do this high intensity exercise. Because all you're gonna do is build muscle that will be uh, underneath a lot of fat, free radicals, you'll raise your cortisol levels, which when you're obese, apparently you can't really drop them. And there's four times the receptors in your abdomen and on and on and on. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is you have to lose the weight because frankly, the, you know, the insurance companies are not going to sit around and, and pay these bills, right? There's going to be repercussions, consequences, penalties, Remember, the World Health Organization says if your waistline is 35 inches, you're obese. And we know 
that that waistline is prevalent in America. So stop killing yourself with exercise. In fact, you know, maybe stop exercising for a while because you have to focus on something else and that is eating and drinking less, less often. And that's uh, easy, but it's gonna take time and it will be a while for you to really unload from your brain all of this stuff about eat healthy and the guilt that goes with it. Because, and I love this, you know, all the religious connotations of American exceptionalism. In 1978, when really we didn't have any of these issues and everything was just beginning, I saw the reaction of people discovering nutrition and fitness, and I said to myself and to others, this isn't good. We're opening up a Pandora's box. It's going to backfire. And I knew it because there are two deadly sins out of the seven. One of them is gluttony, the other is sloth. And I saw that's where we were going. This is a religious country, right? That's sort of the irony of it when we have, we are going in one direction and the entire or almost the entire world is going the other. I mean, in China, 90% of their population, which is more than four times ours, a billion four, could be more, 90% have no interest in religion and half of them are atheists. They're committed atheists, which means they're thinking, they're not praying. So, uh, all of Europe has walked on, on religion and they continue to do so. When Bernie Sanders would compare us to Denmark and talk about them, I mean, did he ever bring up the fact that they laugh at all of this religious stuff while we're going into religion, 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 right? That's it. We have everyone praying and all we do is hear about God. Um, it's true there are younger people who are walking away I don't know whether it's because they really think it's um, irrational or they're just too lazy to go through the motions, but whatever. So we're going in the wrong direction, right? And it brings us to a place that's really uncomfortable and bad, you know, even worse than our bodies. You know, take an article that was in, I think the New York Times or the Post, it's important journals uh, reporting on the fact that in Europe, Italy, Italy has the lowest birth rate. It's not even replacement. I think it's 1.3. So you read that and you think, well, aren't they going to give an explanation? Because obviously the only thing we could think about is that um, sexy Italians have given up sex because obviously they couldn't have contraception or abortion. I mean, the Pope's right there, right? But of course, then you do a little research, which you have to do because the media doesn't want you to know anything that might make you feel uncomfortable if you love religion, which is most of America. And we find out that the Pope's right there, but forget it. They don't care what he has to say. They have legalized abortion and they have contraception. And that's why if they choose to have fewer kids, they have fewer kids. So. When we're at a place where we are, where everything has to be filtered through our politically correct feelings because we feel about ourselves 
in a way that is not positive, despite body positivity. Nobody wants to be fat. Most of us are fat. I was never fat, but I was nine months pregnant twice, and it's uncomfortable, and no one wants this. But if you've given up, and apparently everyone has, all the TV commercials now, the more fat people than thin people, they want to represent how we are. Um, shows, even children's shows. I mean, we're validating and, you know, glorifying almost being fat. It's going to all backfire, sorry, because, um, you know, it'll come soon that uh, the diabetes will be so obvious that um, we'll be unable to really function. So, getting back to you. Yes, exercise is very beneficial. Yes, there are so many people in this field, right, that never existed. They were just handed the field. Most of them uh, are limited in what they know. There are some great ones, many of whom work with me, with Physical Mind Institute. But you have to listen to what they say and just, you know, put it in your brain and then um, think about it. Right, because you can't have people telling you all the time that all you have to do is work at it and you'll look like, you know, somebody who's 5'10 with legs that go on forever because you're not going to unless you're 5'10 and you have legs that go on forever and they're thin and beautiful. So, right, you, can, you know that, everyone knows it, but they keep hearing it. And these people now in Instagram and other places, they're just cooing and cooing and giving you um, all kinds of support and talking about gratitude and our blessings and whatever. But really, it gets to be, um, what can I say? It's, it's, a, it's a hole you can't fill. You just can't keep filling it. You can't keep telling people what they want to hear when in fact they're getting sicker and sicker because of their size. So, in this episode, I'm going to tell you that exercise is not a weight loss solution. Stop looking at it. There should be many calories on those machines. Not one machine is really accurate. It's more about how you run as opposed to how fast you run. And, um, you know, that that is not going to work for you. So that, that's a relief, I hope, because people don't know it. I mean, I will tell you that I was at Orange Theory about two years ago, and I'm next to uh, a girl, she's in her 20s, and she's very obese. I mean, I'd say she's 60, 70 pounds larger than she should be. And I'm on the treadmill, you know, you're on the treadmill or else you're doing these, you know, incredible exercises like a plank or a push-up or a lunge or a burpee as if, you know, they've invented them, right? By the way, let's stop for a minute. There are only nine exercise moves, nine spinal moves, and that's flexion and extension and rotation and lateral bending and neutral spine. So everything you see, it's all the same. It's just choreography. So stop being impressed by the latest great workout from someone, which is essentially a bunch of exercises you've seen a thousand times and you've either done them and they didn't work for you or you've done them and you're bored with them or you've done them and you're injured or whatever it may be. 
So anyway, back to this. This girl is throwing herself into burpees. And I just had to keep my mouth shut because I just wanted to turn to her. Here's a person a third of my age about and say, please stop doing that. Please, you're just injuring yourself. It's not going to help you. You're going to have higher cortisol levels and more free radicals and all sorts of other things that are going to make it harder for you to lose. So I couldn't say it, of course, because you can't say anything. And that's where we are. And that's what this episode is about. Uh, we've got to get back to the fact that uh, common sense is our only guide and that we can't keep euphemizing everything so we feel good about ourselves because in case you haven't heard, uh, China is going to be in charge and I don't think they're paying a lot of attention to gender neutral pronouns. That's it for this episode.